0: Oof. My my my! It's cold out there. News says might get down to the mid fifties. Just positively arctic, Southern California. That's why
1: I started this roaring fire. Come, warm yourself up. But remember, six feet away. That's some mighty responsible holiday spirit there. And hey, is that some light jazz I hear in the background? Copyright free light
0: jazz holiday special tradition, as old as holiday specials themselves. And you're just in time to help me trim the tree. But I don't see any ornaments. (laughs) I sold my ornaments to buy trazodone. 2020 has been quite the year. (laughs) I'll say. (sighs) Anyway, why bother with ornaments when you clip the funnies from any newspaper for a colorful and topical decoration? Also works for wrapping
1: paper. Yes, newspaper funnies are quite a versatile thing. Hey, remember newspapers? Funny you should say that, because newspaper comics can also make a great burn after pitching segment. We are bringing on former guest Susan
0: Sassy. Susan, what have you been up to hey. since you were last on?
2: Oh my goodness, uh... That's like asking me what I ate for breakfast. I can't remember. Well, do you guys it remember? It has been
0: almost a I... year because I think you were on our Valentine's Day episode. Oh, you know. yeah. Oh, my.
2: The Valentine's the... Oh, my gosh. Wow. Uh, you were our
0: last pre pandemic guest? Yep.
2: Wow. Um, oh, wow.
0: Remember when we recorded in person? Wow. Crazy times, man.
3: <laughs> Crazy times. When,
2: yeah. Now it's like I don't remember anything from before the pandemic. I probably yeah. had a job back then, but I don't... Well, um, I don't remember February a year ago. You know what? February a year ago, I had a job that I loved, I think. And then pandemic happened. And then... Which was March, right?
0: Yep. Yeah. And
2: then um, they decided that temp employees were not... Necess- were not like... What's it called when you're not valuable? Essential? And- essential. Yeah, workers. You're not essential. It wasn't essential. essential to them. So then... So there was, I was really bummed about that cuz it was a really awesome job and I worked so hard to get it and then like oh. in like a month like everybody was like oh my god you're so great you're so wonderful and then like this happened to no fault of my own I was unemployed and it was quite a huge awful mess and then lots of rejections for screenplays and uh TV show pilots lots of rejections for competitions um then I started writing satire and got lots of rejections for my sat- Satire articles. And then everything started to like do a 180, and I got into the Women in Film Writers Mentorship Program. I got some satire articles published. Yay. I wrote a pilot that I'm really excited about called Ghost Cougar. And um, I finally wrote that. And then I wrote an outline for another pilot called Renaissance. And I've been doing lots of stand up and getting lots of stand up shows. So,
1: wait, are they doing you know, stand up shows? Yeah, how was stand-up working?
2: Via Zoom. Was that yeah. an interesting story? I tried to give it yeah. some highs and lows and end on a high note.
0: It was an emotional roller coaster. So yeah, you
2: know. I wanted to really take you on a journey. I'm
0: probably going to of- have to edit
1: most of it out, but for taking the journey, I was I- entertained <laughs> and I learned something. So. I learned something about myself. I learned something about
0: all of us here in this room.
1: Well, I I, yeah. I think when we last <laughs> talked, you mentioned ghost cougars. I'm glad that that's still yeah. You know, lurking.
2: Yeah, when I talked, yeah, that's completely written. It just went through a few rounds of notes, and uh, I'm polishing it up. But, yeah, it's it's a really fun one about a ghost of an older <laughs> woman that likes sit on younger men. Ghost cougar. Just like the title says.
0: I like that it tells me exactly what I'm in for. Yep. Yeah, it is what it says on the box.
2: Yeah, if the, if there's one thing I am, I'm very explicit and honest.
0: <laughs> well, that is a virtue. That's a that's Good. a virtue when you're uh, pitching ideas. So, listeners, we task Susan pitch us a big Hollywood motion picture based <laughs> on a newspaper comic strip. Mm-hmm. So, um, Susan,
2: boy, yes. did I deliver! I had something in my wheelhouse, all ready to go. I thought you might. <laughs> the title of this film is called Cat in real life. Based on the cat comic strip from the 80s by Kathy Gesuit about, um, you know, that lovable chocoholic dealing with the four basic guilt groups um, food, love, career, and mothers. Um, After 35 years in the Sunday funnies, Kathy's cartoon's been canceled for being outdated and offensive to women. Now, to get it back, she'll have to update her image. She'll become a feminist as long as it doesn't make her look fat. So it's kind of like Miss Congeniality and Legally Bond in the fact that they're both makeover. Um, this is in the style of a makeover movie, um, but it's also very broad, silly comedy. And uh, similar, it's character driven, more character driven than plot, broad comedy. And in the vein of like Cool World and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, it's oh. sort of like we just kind of accept this world where cartoons live amongst us. Oh, um wow. Okay. And but it, Kathy is like um, a real living human, like a live action version yeah. of the comic group. Oh. And it's just kind of like accepted in this world. Now, I came up with this idea to do a parody of Kathy. First, I thought, hmm, who do I look like? And I thought, oh, I kind of look like Kathy. And I kind of eat like her, too. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I started doing research um, on the classic Kathy comic strip, And I found many women hate Kathy. Can you believe it? Act. I mean, you can kind of see their point through their lens of today's standards. She kind of comes off as an f- awful feminist, a bad female stereotype that teaches women to be codependent and miserable and and beat themselves up. But if you look at it through the lens of the 80s, like if you put yourself into the zeitgeist of the 80s, she was actually quite an inspiration. The cartoon features a single working woman, and she wasn't a secretary, but a VP of marketing. Um oh, wow. Pretty- huge in that day because my mom said, you know, in her day, women can only be two things, a secretary and a teacher. So her being my mom's age, she was a VP of marketing. The actual woman who wrote the comma strip too was an actual VP of marketing and it was based on her life. So this woman's actually a pretty you know if you think of it in the terms of 80s it's just was a pretty forward uh empowering woman and so i wanted to give people some perspective and remind them that sometimes the most feminist thing we can do is let women be who they are without judgment Nice. so thank you so first off we have kathy ah, a lovable charming chocoholic lives by the four basic guilt groups food love career and mother in this version She's a shopaholic, a chocoholic, and a beat- herself upaholic. <laughs> her nemesis are John Arbuckle and her mother. Kathy appears to be out of it and totally terrible role model for a young woman. The movie starts when she loses her cartoon for being too outdated and offensive to women, and now with the help of her two best friends, she's going to work really hard to update her image and get her cartoon back. So Kathy's two best friends lead the charge helping her update her image: Charlene and Andrea also from the original cartoon, but even though their characters, they have advanced with the times and are modern representations of women. Charlene is a single working mom, very hippie and into astrology and self-help. Um, it's really essential to Charlene to raise her daughter, Julie, to be an empowered, confident woman who believes she can do anything, but she's worried Kathy's a bad influence. And the more they work to chart Change Kathy. The more of a bad influence Kathy is on Julie. Ah, <laughs> Andrea, that also uh, the other friend, is a single working woman and cat mom. So yeah, one of them has a real human daughter. The other one has a cat daughter. <laughs> She's a sharp shooting shoots suit wearing businesswoman, uh no nonsense ball buster but the more andrea tries to help kathy the more she's driven into drink and slowly degenerating to someone who gives up on life so Um, she's
1: a drunkaholic but with
2: booze yeah she's a drunkaholic We all got our vices. So then John Arbuckle, we all know John Arbuckle, right? From Garfield. Right, I
0: like this crossover we're yeah. doing. Yeah.
2: So she, he's going to be one of Kathy's nemesis. He's also trying to revamp his career and break away from Garfield to be his own star. You know, because Garfield, Garfield's a star. So he wants his own star. His Twitter, ha- Twitter handle is at Starbuckle. Um, <laughs> he's a mediocre white man with more confidence than he should have and his cartoon hasn't been cancelled <laughs> he just wants to be the star so there's a rivalry competition John's a loser with confidence of a celebrity Justin Bieber type he's constantly hitting on women who aren't interested and no matter how racist they are or how much they ignore him wait that wasn't supposed to say how racist that was supposed to say
0: I was like I guess I'm on John's side if he's there. There. Oh, really, yeah. Yeah, He's no, losing no, out for the no, racist women.
2: Oh, man, I must have been typing this up while drinking, watching the election results last night. <laughs> all <laughs> I can think about. Um, no matter how much, how uninterested they are or how much they ignore him, he doesn't get the message. Does John sound familiar, men, white men of the world? <laughs> then uh, Kathy's other nemesis. Her mom, um, she would rather Kathy get married and give her tons of grandbabies and start her career and will do anything to stop her from succeeding. Another character we have, Lucy from Peanuts is Kathy's therapist and head of her (laughs) chocolate anonymous group. Lucy does for Kathy what she does for Charlie Brown. Um, she thinks she knows it all, she thinks she's better than everyone, uh, tortures Kathy for fun and calls her a blockhead. Oh, and she also sexually harasses Shrewd. <laughs> Classic, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, irving is kathy's husband he would rather someone put him out of his misery rather than spend one more minute with kathy he represents that 80s 90s stereotypical sitcom dad that would always make wife jokes like my wife jokes um that but like they make it so much that you're like mm, this guy really hates his wife <laughs> and he's trying yeah, to this guy's looking
0: off. for a way out yeah. yeah,
2: this is looking for what um, I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show dog with a blog on Disney, but the dad from that totally inspired this because he's constantly making jokes about how awful his wife is. And they're supposed to be jokes, but you're really like, oh, my God, he's going to murder her in her sleep one day. Um, <laughs> I'll
0: have to check that out on Disney yeah. Plus.
2: Yeah, check it out on Disney Plus. Um, so to wrap this up, because I'm sure I'm out of time. In the end, Kathy proves the most feminist thing you can do is let people be themselves. She leverages her cartoon fan base to get her a job as a social media influencer for brands like Godiva, Wetzel's Pretzels, Carvel, Dress for Less, and Tinder. (laughs) 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 And they all lived happily ever after.
1: (laughs) Uh,
0: All right. So Kathy is live action, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um so who would you
1: cast as Kathy?
2: Well <laughs> I mean
1: yourself? You can say yourself. That's fine. I We're all friends, Yeah. Right? I That's un- how Slice <laughs> the started.
2: I unintentionally cast myself. I made a web series and I played Kathy and um really out of lack of money to pay an actor. And I just look so much like her. Ah! So I cast myself. But if you need a name. If, like, in the real world, you need an A-list actor. Uh, maybe Melissa McCarthy would be great. I love her. She's so yeah, funny. Yeah.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, oh, much I'd love it. to see you play it. If it couldn't be you, I'd be okay with Melissa. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It, it reminds <laughs> me a lot of a movie I really love. Uh, remember the Brady Bunch movie?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. I love that it, movie. They get yeah, so it walked a fine line. line.
1: It was It was yeah. making fun of the Brady Bunch, but in a very loving and affectionate way.
2: Yes. And they had this broad comedy about it. So it almost felt like a cartoon of the original, but it was live action. Yeah. Yeah. They did a really good job of that. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha.
1: My one question. Uh, If we have John Arbuckle, are we going to find out that Garfield is just a figment of his imagination? The uh... Um,
2: (laughs) That would be hilarious. Yeah. Um, that Just making
1: Garfield without Garfield canon.
2: Oh, my God. That's so funny. Garfield without Garfield.
1: <laughs> oh, it's, it's a
2: thing. John's have John's not it? even the star of a comic strip of himself. a character that doesn't even exist. Yeah. Well, wait, <laughs> uh, second fiddle to a cartoon that doesn't even exist, which is well, hilarious. Again, have
1: you seen? It's an actual comic, Garfield without Garfield.
2: I have seen it, where they oh, just okay. kind of erase Garfield and John's talking to himself.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it just becomes...
2: <laughs>
0: funnier and weirder and darker that could be what john pitches for himself he's like oh. okay ah. i've got an idea for like my next starviet it's it's garfield without garfield it's just me and executives just look at him and be like it's just you i'm just like i'm there but garfield isn't ah. ah, is that great
2: that's funny i love it i love how we're all tying this into that actually are. Oh
0: yeah.
2: Someone, won pitch, someone once pitched. They want to see Ziggy at the bar in the background, just like drinking himself miserable. Ziggy.
0: I was trying. I was. I was trying to come up with like a short pitch. I could yeah. not remember that character's name. I kept calling him Wilbur. I was like, who <laughs> around bald white guy? Is it Wilbur? He's got the nose.
2: Also,
0: it's Ziggy. Also of course. A
2: there's a Dilbert and
0: a Ziggy, right? Oh, forget Dilbert. Dilbert's yeah. dead to everyone. Dilbert, no. Dilbert is canceled. Dilbert is canceled. Yeah. Talk about a mediocre white man.
2: Uh, I know. I know. Cartoons are full of mediocre white men. Charles is Dilbert. Yeah. But at least in cartoons, they don't have the 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 self confidence that's just not earned. Yeah. Unless they're John Arbuckle.
3: Wait, yeah. in
2: the cartoon, he was always flirting with Garfield's vet, and she was always like, mm-hmm. "Oh my God, leave me alone." Yeah. A poor yeah, that poor guy. Yeah, that poor guy. You know, they made him look so aw, poor John. But like, if you put it in the modern day lands, it's like he is a creep. Yeah, it's like
0: she's That's she's just him. at work. Leave her alone. Yeah. I
2: know. Stop harassing women, John Arbuckle. That's cat cat enough. Yeah. John he Arbuckle, is.
0: serial harasser.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: All right. I I like Kathy in real life. I would like to see that up on the big screen
2: or on a streaming service
0: because we don't go to the movie theaters anymore.
2: (laughs) You know what? You can see it on my YouTube channel, a web series version of that. It's not the full movie.
0: Could you go to YouTube.com and then search Kathy in real life?
2: Yes, you can search Kathy in real life or you can search When Susan Calls, which is my YouTube channel. and um, you can look up the web series version because I don't have a ton of money to make a feature. So we went with the next best thing and then I could cast myself.
0: There you go. How
1: many episodes?
2: Um, I think we have six episodes for season one and probably more like nine for season two.
1: Expanding. Yeah. You get into the deep mythology
0: in season two. (laughs) It becomes more about the Kathy lore.
2: Really? Yeah, um, you know, we had some pitches for seasons three and like onward. Like, we thought maybe we could do a Kathy um, Handmaid's Tale because she always wears <laughs> her signature color is red. <laughs> Kathy's like one of the handmaids and like she's just like always hiding food under her dress like they think she's pregnant but it's really a ham or something
0: (laughs) that's depressing
2: (laughs) and then we thought of like Kathy in different moments throughout history just like the greatest minds of history are meeting for dinner and Kathy (laughs) so So what about
1: that Louisiana purchase (laughs) you gotta finish that brownie Shakespeare
0: And on that note, I want to thank Susan Sassy for being on our special December holiday episode of Burn After Yay. Pitching.
2: Thanks for having me. I enjoyed telling my story.
0: We enjoyed having you on again.
2: Yay! I'll come back hey. anytime just for uh-huh. you guys.
0: Nice. Well, we'll take you up on that.
2: Yes. Well, wait. Uh, don't you, you? I have one if you want. You have, yeah. Oh, dude. I thought
0: I thought your whole thing was that you didn't have it prepared. Oh
1: well, that's never stopped me. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> no, I, I definitely have one. I think it would make a great movie. Because, you know, if you're thinking about the newspaper comics, you know, the various storied history ones. But if you want to, how should I put it? If you want to plant your flag, you know, if you want to distinguish yourself, you've got to go full existential dread and stare straight into the nihilistic void that is the family circus. <laughs> And as it should be, we will do it as a Lynchian horror film. So, yeah, I'm thinking try to get David Lynch, maybe Jordan Peele. I wouldn't mind Yorgos Lanthimos either. Uh And it, it's going to fo- it will follow. It will follow the comic book. It's 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 a horror movie, but it's it's that Lynchian horror movie of just sort of weird unease because it starts out, you, you know, you got your couple. What is it? Bill and Thelma and kids keep blaming things on those two invisible scamps. Not me. And I don't know. I don't know how familiar you are with with Family Circus, but that's a big thing they do. Yep. You know, yeah. Who ate the last cookie? Not me. I don't know. And, you know, at first it's, well, I can't say it's funny, but, you know, it's sort of moderately amusing in a daily newspaper funny kind of way. But it starts to escalate. Uh The baby PJ gets pushed down the stairs. The pets go missing. Nothing so horrible that you're going to panic about it. But, you know, all this weird stuff starts getting blamed on not me. And I don't know. And then there's this other thing in the in the Family Circus comic. The father Bill draws uh, draws the cartoon, the Family Circus. And every so often, yeah. he will let Billy draw the cartoon for laughs. I don't know if you see Family Circus. But <laughs> occasionally, he'll mm-hmm. get the crude kids drawing of how they understand it. And and so he's letting Billy draw the cartoon occasionally for laughs. But then Billy's cartoons starts taking on these weird edible hostile overtone so much that wow. Thelma starts to worry and it's it's very sort of it takes a sort of baba uh why am i blanking on the name the baba duke baba duke it takes a baba duke twist and you know the more we start worrying about not me and i don't know when they start Thelma starts thinking she can see them and then billy or bill the the father gets replaced by the weird cartoon drawing of bill that the kid draws who's like, you know, of course it's a kid's drawing. So rendered in real life, it looks horrifying. And so Thelma is terrified and and it, it ends with her trying to escape the weird cartoon drawing of Bill while also getting chased with not me and I don't know. And she gets <laughs> trapped and she tells Dolly or maybe Jeff. No, it tells Jeffy, go for help. Go for help. You got to get help. And we think that's our one ray of hope. Jeff's, Jeffy's going to get help. But then in another. Family circuit classic. We get to see the little trail he takes all around the neighborhood, stopping at every <laughs> store and doghouse and tree climbing, intercutting it with Thelma slowly getting destroyed by 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 the, the weird subconscious manifestations of her children. Uh, and so, you know, it, it takes Jeffy forever to get help. By the time it shows up, Thelma is no more. All that's left is a crude childhood drawing of the mom. Fade to black.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> I like how you played with the uh, genre.
1: Yes, yeah. Well, it seems really the only way to do family circus because there was always a weird overtone to it. So Yeah,
2: you know, I hear a lot of people say the original cartoon wasn't that funny anyway, so I kind of like... <laughs>
0: Yeah, kind of like taking the banana splits, oh, added, yeah. where they, they made the horror movie banana splits movie. Yes, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, I, I, it's funny. I really, it's it's sort of the weird how your memory works. I really wanted to do the one where, like, you know how like occasionally the far side would would accidentally switch its caption with another cartoon. I could have sworn <laughs> it was Family Circus, but no, it was Dennis the Menace. There's like a a Dennis the Menace where like he's telling his mom. I see your skull labeled on a shelf somewhere, which would have been great for Family Circus, but that's (laughs) unfortunately not in canon. Oh, what could have been?
2: Oh, what could have been? The sequel to Oh, The Places You'll Go. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) America 2020. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. That was great. Or Family Circus. That's a nightmare. Anything that can reference The Babadook, which is, I think, (laughs) that movie's one of those ones where it's like, not overrated or underrated. But it's just like, we don't talk about it enough. But we talk about it just enough.
1: It's a great like metaphor for mental illness. Uh, I mean it's it's funny because it first came out and it made that splash. But like with a lot of films, like there's the big critic, you know, there's the big splash, the buzz, and then it goes through a little fallow period, and then you see does it come back when people start talking about it? And I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I'm, I'm thinking Babadook might might survive its little what do you call it dip.
3: Well,
0: it had its like uh its renaissance, I guess, when it got accidentally added to like the the, the gay section of Netflix. So the Duke became a gay icon on
1: by accident oh my god i thought they just did it because you know they thought he looked fabulous
0: all right and on that note (laughs) we're listening to this section this special present on our december episode of burn after pitching a little stocking stuffer
2: oh i like stocking stuffers
0: usually just get deodorant and (laughs) a a peppermint stick yeah and he came
2: yeah. You don't get the
0: orange? Oh uh, the chocolate orange. Oh yeah, that's the... And we used to also get the lifesavers book. It was like it was shaped like a book. Oh and it had
1: like yes. four different rolls of lifesavers in it. I'd forgotten I... that. Like what was the what was the idea behind it? We'd like lifesavers why... more if they were in a book.
0: Yeah, it was like, oh, it's a trick. Like, oh, you think you're getting a dumb book in your stocking? Surprise, it's candy.
1: Now see, I'm that one weird kid of like, oh a book. Oh shoot, it's just candy. There's more candy.
0: Yeah. Plenty of that.
1: The joys of candy are ephemeral. Literature's forever. (laughs) You know that note. Done silence. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, Yeah, I was a weird kid. We're good. How about that? Is there anything newspaper funnies can't do? Well, they can't keep you warm when you can't afford a winter coat. Have you tried stuffing them in your windbreaker? oh I will. Thanks. So how are you keeping busy? Well, as you know, everything is closed and human contact is banned. So, I've been renting DVDs from the local library. Oh, sounds like fun. Uh, it's not. What the movie's lack in watchability, they make up for in I Can't Afford Anything Else. Why, they're mostly sequels for movies you've never heard of. Well, sometimes,
0: even when it's a movie I loved, I see the sequel and think to myself, I could have done better than
1: that hot pile of garbage. Me too. Hey, that's a great idea for our next segment. I do believe you're right. Good morning and welcome to this
0: special December edition of burn after pitching uh we're doing something uh, we're doing something a little bit different for this month of december because you know at the holidays every holiday you get presents and sometimes you get a lot of presents sometimes you get only just one big one well we're going with quantity over quality no i don't mean that i mean a quality of quant because we are doing a bunch of super short segments, single pitches from new guests and old guests, and you're just going to be bombarded with a myriad of different kinds of pitches for this special month of December. I'm your host for this episode. I am Michael Tanner, and joining me, my co-host, Andy Nordvall.
1: Hello. I guess, can we call it qualinity? a quantity of a Quality. quality. A plethora of quality and joining us on this segment, we've got the
4: host of the Pop Culture Retrofit Podcast. Take it away, guys. Oh, hi there. My name's Christian, and I am one of the hosts of the Pop Culture Retrofit Podcast. And hi, my name is Michael. I'm the other guy on that said podcast. You guys are Canadian, right? Uh, as far as I know... I am. I'm not sure about Michael though. What do you What do you mean you're not sure? I am Canadian. Oh wait, yeah. Well, yeah, Montreal still counts as Canada. I forgot. That's
0: That's right. in the country. That right. is. In you the are country. our first Canadian guest. We're now an international
4: podcast. I'm so excited. All right, so tell us a little bit about the Pop Culture Retrofit podcast. Well, uh the the Pop Culture Retrofit podcast, I sound like I'm doing the intro to the show right now, is a podcast where we take things from pop culture and retrofit them into other things. And what exactly that means is generally what we've been doing lately on the show, most of the time, is we've been taking movies and then we retrofit them into something that is not unlike a movie at all. Uh, for example, we've taken uh, the movie, uh, Crying Out Loud, Tom Hanks Solves Mysteries, and he's a scientist. What is it? Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code, da Vinci we turned code, that into yeah. a game show. And most recently, we turned the game show, The Price is Right, into a horror movie. What are some Whoa. of your favorites, Michael? All of them.
5: Uh no, I uh, I we turned Forrest Gump into a Saturday morning cartoon. That's a good one,
0: right? Oh, we took the movie Aliens and we turned it into a child's bedroom.
3: <laughs>
0: I have to say, my favorite episode way. of your guys' show was Platoon into an 80s sex comedy. I was um <laughs> there was some genius retrofitting. I really
4: enjoyed that episode. I was I was looking at that actually that promotional image that we did for that uh, today for some reason and yeah those the, the bikini placed ever so carefully over the dog tags I thought was a nice touch
5: you're such a and, narcissist and that is how they <laughs> would <we> do it <laughs> I mean, it was good though was it called tapoon <laughs> Christian t- tends to in his free time just to like looks over old podcast episode images <laughs> that's such <right>. a
4: narcissist <laughs> while listening to old podcasts with, with me on them that's just what I do
0: <laughs> so as you can hear listeners these guys make sense to have on our show burn after pitching so we have tasked the guys from pop culture retrofit to come up with alternate seek sequ- for now we know a lot of movies we'll just throw let's say um uh batman got a sequel batman returns but what if the sequel to tim burton's 1989 batman was a different movie so we we all came together and we pitching alternate sequels to movies that did have sequels but we think we can do it a little bit better. Uh, how, how about I go first? I'll do my pitch first and then we'll have our guests and then Andy, you can, um, you can do your pitch because yours, yours will be more, uh, meaty and we can kind of get an idea <laughs> of, um, Kind of ease our guests into how does that sound good for everybody? Yes, just promise you'll be gentle, but we're, uh, we're good to go. We'll do our best. We will <laughs> give a nice shoulder massage first. Oh boy! All right. So alternate sequel. I decided to go a movie which had a couple of sequels that did not live up to the original. A movie that spawned a whole catchphrase empire and really took its star <laughs> into the stratosphere. I am talking about Austin Powers, international man of mystery. He he got That movie got a sequel, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, which I found a little lax. So I've decided to pitch my alternate Austin Powers 2, A Shag to a Kill. Okay, oh. we open with Austin, mid-mission in the Bahamas. And we get an absolute glamour shot of Austin coming out of the water in his Union Jack bikini bottoms. You know, referencing every... Like sexy person coming out of the water in every James Bond movie. And immediately he's captured by very modern drug lord. And we really set up that Austin Powers is not prepared to deal with the modern world of international espionage and terror and drug dealers. And Vanessa, remember Vanessa Kensington? Uh, the love interest from the first movie, and the rest of MI6 arrive and rescue him. And we learned that this has been happening a lot. Unless it's a ridiculous supervillain or Dr. Evil type, Austin is just not made for this world. So he is sent on sabbatical He's essentially retired Uh and given, you know, oh, you're great, Austin. But, uh, you know, how about you just, you know, take some time and figure things out. So he goes back home where he meets the... We, he meets a new character, a new female named Lovey Givehead, played by Oscar winner Miro, Mira Sorvide, daughter of one of his former colleagues in MI6 from the 1960s. They learn of a plot by an evil tech giant, Beto Max played by Dana Carvey. Yes, it's a Wayne's World reunion. I wanted from the get-go, the sequel to Austin Powers to feature Dana Carvey. And so he's here as our villain. And the, the pair of Lovey Givehead and Austin must contend with Beto Max's imposing female bodyguard, Miss Big Hands, played by WWE superstar, China. Remember this movie. Would have been in nineteen ninety eight right. or nineteen ninety nine. Oh, right. Prime China.
1: Oh my God! That could have saved China. <laughs> <laughs> it it could. She could, Joni Lahr could she still be with the dead. People so we got dead? so we got Miss yeah. Big Hands
0: as our as our Grace Jones stand in. Okay. So while uh so Austin is traveling the world while he's pretending to kind of be stuck at home and so he's hiding his activities from Vanessa. So there's a lot of that kind of like three's company farcical misunderstanding stuff where he's trying to like hide that he's in you know another country and pretending to be at home while uh lovey and austin they they are trying to stop Betomax's plan which is to start another technology war between the still new dvd format and his even newer one that provides an even clearer picture and more space per disc he calls it beto ray his format is much easier to produce causing instability in the resource market He's going to destabilize it. So the sexual tension between Lovey and Austin gets to a fever point, but Austin stays true to Vanessa, which is good because it's revealed that Lovey is Austin's daughter from a tryst he had right before being frozen. The climax of the movie takes place on a blimp flying over the Super Bowl just because. And then in a post credit sequence, we get a scene teasing the return of Dr. Evil. And that's my alternate sequel for Austin Powers. Austin Powers 2, A
4: Shag to a Kill. I like that. Of all- that- I, I like that you've got Dana Carvey back into it because it made me think: Why wasn't he ever in those movies before, or was he? Did I miss him? Nope. no, he he, he, he was
1: not in them. Yeah, he was. Well, I think the rumor was. I think the rumor was. What was it? Mike Myers didn't really want him in Wayne's World that much. So maybe that's why. Yeah, I, I, have heard I got the impression a, that
4: they're not really Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's very disappointing.
1: And also there's another thing where yeah, Dana
0: Harvey kind of um stepped away from his career because he had cancer about this time period. Um so that's why he didn't really do oh, wow. much like after like Wayne's World and um Master of Disguise. Like he kind of semi retired for a long time because he had cancer. Was it oh.
4: cancer or was it a I heart problem?
0: Was it heart problem? I thought it was cancer. Yeah, because he had hurt so, he he, had
4: healthish yeah stuff. well basically yeah <laughs> don't need to actually identify it we're not doctors we're podcasters i think I gonna might say have had this-
1: like
0: colorectal <laughs> cancer geez this pitch has
5: gone into dark places so quickly
1: yes
0: <laughs>
5: yeah baby
0: uh i do i so do that, does like, my pitch make you the sequel would- ha. <laughs> catchphrases
1: wow I think the sequel to this sequel is Fantastic Journey, Austin Power shrinks down, and in a spaceship, they have to cure Dana Carvey's colon cancer. I like it. Oh,
4: hopefully Raquel Welch is in that one as well. <laughs> she, could, she could still get it in
0: 1999 or 2000 when that movie would have been made. <laughs> Of course. Yeah, I remember grumpier old men.
5: Do you like that you got, you had Mira Sorvino in it, who was so hot back in the late nineties before she dried up and disappeared the entire, uh, pop culture
0: scene. So mm-hmm. that was a that was a nice touch. I, you know, she was actually, I swapped her in. I had originally had Mina Sor wait, Mina Suvari from uh, oh. American Beauty, but I was like, no, she's too young. That just makes it creepy. Yeah. So too young. Mira
4: Sorvino. I just chose actresses that would have a hard time saying their names on the podcast. I'm just, so I have. I'm just happy in this imaginary universe that she was able to play this role and then eventually dry up and blow away like Mr. DiGiovanni.
5: <laughs> so, so you made a conscious choice to
0: not include Doctor Evil. In the sequel, which I think
2: is
5: interesting,
0: I think it was from from the time period. Like Mike Michael Myers talked a lot about um, Michael Myers, Mike Myers. It's Halloween (laughs) season um, that he talked a lot about how he wanted originally he wanted them to be more like the James Bond movies, where there'd be a different villain each movie. But Doctor Evil was so fun to play and was so popular that he brought him back in the sequel and then it, it became the dr evil show um because because really dr evil is a far more interesting and funny character than austin is and we learned that like because austin powers got very worn out even after the first movie um so that's why the the focus really shifted to dr evil but i thought like stick to the original idea of doing these are james bond parodies uh so do a new villain and the best person to play like a foil to uh Mike Myers, Austin Powers would be a Dana Carvey doing a character um, who would be kind of the Christopher Walken um, from A View to a Kill. Yeah. So that's where I went. And I didn't want to get rid of uh, Vanessa because I do like that character and the way the sequel just was like, yeah, she was a robot the whole time. Like, oh, OK. All right. <laughs> uh, that's like the lesson to the audience is just like, oh, don't care about any of it. Just just yeah. go in and laugh, which is perfectly valid, but it definitely sets you up for like how you want to view the franchise mm-hmm. as a whole
4: well if i if I know someone who has lost their love for Elizabeth Hurley, I don't even want to know who they are. Yeah, where'd she go? She, she kind of agreed. disappeared too.
1: Yeah, it it's weird sequels. I was just saying that those rare sequels where they kill off a main character that we spent the whole last movie caring mm-hmm. about, usually don't do that well. That tends
5: to be a like a a trope where the girlfriend is quickly dismissed in the second film. There's all there's always an opportunity to go, right? Well, remember that girl that he spent 2 hours falling in love with? Well, that's well, she's gone. They
4: broke up or she's a robot.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's going <laughs> She's usually studying in yeah, sure, yeah. or she's
4: going on a trip away for a while at least <laughs> two hours of cinematic time
0: like a karate kid part two like just took a total dump <laughs> on uh on that girlfriend character where like yeah she left him for a football player It's <laughs> was like no. <laughs> okay. i know
1: okay i get it karate is so much cooler than football right yeah i guess yeah i buy that though because i mean we've all been teenagers they never laugh. but you know i'm I'm thinking more where you kill them, like Aliens 3, and I just saw the, the newest, uh, Terminator, which I don't want to spoil it, but they, they kill somebody we learned to like in the last couple of movies, so spoiler or like um what mission impossible
0: yeah. like don't they they fake kill tom cruise's wife in uh in one of those movies right oh yeah that's or they, right they kill her but then they reveal like oh it wasn't actually her but then she's still kind of gone for the rest of the movie
4: anyway
1: right yeah then she comes back like two or three movies later well, i so. guess, back to
4: the, guess back when you get back to the karate kid you've seen about 10 crane kicks i guess you just lose the love naturally <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: come on Daniel
4: (laughs) you you gotta have a different move
5: man it's all the same thing with you come on that's right foot sweep come on something (laughs) learn how to do a fireball i am really hoping you should learn back for
0: cobra kai season three
5: i feel that is the way that they've done that show it feels very
1: likely they will yeah but probably not hillary duff that would be i would i would lose my
0: shit if hillary duff like appeared on it too like like wow they really just deep dived like everyone's coming back (laughs) and then they got like jackie chan appeared and like uh, jaden smith came in from like the remake karate kid it was like Oh. make it make
4: it everyone just make it yeah. you know and burt reynolds comes in as smoky from smoky or a bandit from the smoky and the bandit <laughs> movies for no reason whatsoever i i think there's some dna that
5: connects those movies somewhere uh there's reddits that definitely yeah. explain all of that right now
1: really- the extended variety variety. the universe
0: all right so w- would one of our guests like to uh start in on their uh their bare bones pitches i will go um
5: and what the, uh, the film that I picked is a part of a, probably one of the most esteemed film series of all time. So this one had a lot of sequels, a lot of great sequels. Um, but one in particular is not great. And I'm talking about police academy. Um, and, uh, now. Police Academy 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Excellent, solid sequel. The, I really have issue with that seventh sequel, The Mission to Moscow. Uh-huh. Uh, now, <laughs> so what I am proposing is we get rid of that and we do a completely different film. Police Academy 7, Mission to the Moon. Oh, I'm already clapping oh, my hands. Ah. So this, the, uh, as we set this thing up, uh, the, the Space Cops program is officially announced and Commandant Lassard, yes, Space Force. Force, if you will, uh, Commandant Lassard's and Lieutenant Harris's, Captain Harris's two squads have been selected, uh, to compete. To see who are going to be recruits to join, to be the first, uh, group of space cops. Oh, there'll be a bunch of wacky space training mission type things, anti gravity jokes, shirts flying up. You, you know where they go with G forces
4: <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, oh, faces you. Being
5: oh, you wait. Uh, and so big twist here. Harris's group of misfits ends up winning the chance to be the space cops. So, at the time of launch, when they're going to be their, their first mission launch into space, something goes horribly wrong. And Commandant Lassard and the crew <laughs> have to get involved and help out Harris's team. And they as well have to take the mission to space before the space shuttle explodes. And comedy ensues.
1: <laughs> now, question. Is there like a wave of space crime in this movie? The um the you know what we're 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 not going to delve too deeply into the uh,
5: science fiction of this. We're saying that maybe okay. there is uh the space race is fully uh, intact here. We've got a lot of uh we've got a lot of space stations, and those are going to each need police sort of rep- like security. So that's why they're being sent. They're okay. being sent up. There's no aliens. Perhaps seeing how this one does, we could add that to the mix. But that they're really being brought on to be like police security guards at all of the space stations that are now kind of surface uh, like surrounding the Earth,
4: like an international like space law enforcement team. Exactly, interspace, interspace. interspace. Yeah. It's
0: an acronym, and we'll figure out what it what, what, what it stands for later. <laughs> yeah. And are they working? Okay, big are, question for you. Sorry. Big question. Yeah. are we continuing? the family family friendly trend, or are we going to go back to the original hard R for mission to mission to the moon? Well, you know,
5: I like to think you guys are a smart podcast. We're going hard R on this. We need the, we, the, the studio understands that the only way that we're going to be able to bring back this series is to stop kind of pussyfooting away from what happened. Like they always do that with these movies, Hey, the sex comedies of the Mm eighties, they start off hard R and then you get, they start sequelizing them, and then they're like, you get a Saturday morning
0: cartoon show.
5: You get a PG version by by Up the Creek three. It's like PG, man.
0: I I stand with you. I want space boobs. Space boobs. Well,
1: yeah, zero gravity. You know, that's just. I want Tackleberry. Drop man. an F bomb.
5: Oh, and Lieutenant Callahan's shirt is going to re- like, it's going to pop open. There's going to be F bombs. We'll get right. crass. We'll be crass copious uses of the
0: word asteroids as a slur. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then do you think that could bring back Steve Gutenberg to the franchise? You know what I was actually brave
5: enough to, to to assume that Mahoney would be back for this one.
0: I
1: like to believe we live in a world where that's possible. <laughs>
0: I feel pretty confident. Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, we like sci-fi with Cocoon. Yeah, I now You're... question. I, I'm trying to think, of, are you going to have also my favorite character, the Bobcat Goldthwaite <laughs> guy? Yeah. He was great. Uh, he came
5: into it in like what? Part four, I He's think. He's the villain in part two villain and oh, then that's joins right. the cops in yeah. part three yeah he joined i remember he he that is right yes so he was a part of the squad for like three and four
0: at least
5: I, yes i think he, yeah. he is he is definitely back the timeline would work that he would be in in this for sure
0: you, you know what i'd also throw out there make bobcat the director whoa he's a great oh. director he yeah, could he, he could bring it police academy back to a hard r it gutenberg back he could make Something very special with Mission to the Moon. Yeah, that you just kind of blew my mind, man. If, like,
5: gold, if he Bobcat directed this, this would create that would add a, a reverence
1: to it that the, the the films
5: were sorely lacking.
1: <laughs> well, based on his other films, it would definitely be a hard R, right? Yeah, yeah, it would be the first police academy to premiere <laughs> at Sunday. <too>, yeah.
0: <laughs> <That's right>. Nice.
1: <laughs>
0: all
4: right, all right, hit us with another, hit us with another pitch. Uh, let's see, we can go with one of my dumb pitches boy oh boy i don't think you guys understand what the words bare bones mean because you guys describe the crap out of yours your idea uh let's go with uh there was a sequel to probably one of the most perfect movies ever made and unfortunately the original movie was great but the sequel was not and i'm sure you all know the movie i'm talking about it is paul blart mall cop <laughs> <laughs> and in the second one, uh, Paul Blart, well, somebody goes to Vegas security guard convention with his daughter, and bad stuff happens, and he gets kicked by a horse multiple times. I think is what I can remember. And I said to myself, "That's that betrays the the character of Paul Blart, in my humble opinion." And uh, the first thought, uh, the first thought that came to my mind. Was that Paul Blart should essentially, for some reason, go to the largest mall in the world and then do something there. So right away, that uh, takes me to my intensive Google research. What? Mall of America. What are the largest malls in the world? And, uh, Mall of America, I don't know if it's in the top 10, but it's not in the top five. That's for sure. I thought, yeah. Really? I'm worried about some. My brother in Dubai. lived in Minnesota for
1: a while, and he was mm. very proud to to be next to the largest mall in the world. I I don't even know if I should tell him. Like I don't want to no, take no, that. Don't anymore. please
4: don't don't he'll, he'll break the man. Okay, and I mean we had a, a pretty big mall in in Canada as well, the West Edmonton Mall, and that was down near the bottom of the list. And it was in my head that uh it was probably the the largest mall was going to be uh, a mall in um. Uh, S- South Asia, you know, in Dubai or something like that, mm-hmm. and I find I found out that the Dubai Mall is only like number five. And I had this whole idea where Paul Blart goes to the mall there, and there's for some whatever reason, and there's terrorists or some kind of uh, bad guys running around, and then somehow I want to put in like Liam Neeson's character from Taken in there, And, you know, and he's just <laughs> he's just rolling all over the place, shooting or not shooting, but just taking care of business. But then I said, okay, what is the largest mall? And the largest mall in the world is in China, and it's called the New South China Mall. It's, uh, apparently, but it's gigantic. It's like, uh, I don't know it doesn't say how big it is, but I'm assuming it's on the internet. So it's got to be big. But the interesting thing about this mall since its opening in 2005, it's that 99% of it is vacant. The only <laughs> occupied areas of the mall are near the entrance where like there's, uh, American fast food chains. Right, and this is a
5: hoax. This is a complete facade, is what you're saying. Yes,
4: but what uh, hit me was that this uh, mall has been nicknamed the uh, the Ghost Mall. It is the largest ghost mall in the world, and that that's where my (laughs) head started turning. Where the storyline would be, where Paul Blart. Uh, basically, is looking after his marriage has failed, much like it did in the second, uh, the second or the first movie, or sorry, the original sequel. That they, they, they those two characters didn't work together. It's better they got separated. Um, and so, inadvertently, he takes she dates right, a football player, right? right exactly, right, full circle. That's right. No crane kicks. Um, and he basically uh, does an, does an online job search, and he finds uh this New South China Mall is looking for a security guard, but doesn't realize that it's not in the United States; it's in China. And then basically gets on a plane and somehow gets over there, unknown, you not even knowing that he's still going to China. And <laughs> and then when he gets to the ghost mall, I'm not a hundred percent sure what happens, but I like to think there are communists and Chinese ghosts everywhere. And he has to contend with that in order to get the mall
1: back on its feet. Well, Are you familiar with Chinese vampires? No, but I'd like to be. Chinese hopping vampires. Oh, it is a whole genre because they're they're super weird. They're kind of half vampires, mm-hmm. half zombies. No. And they can't even walk. They just hop around. So needless to say, these are comedies. Oh. And you need to put like a little, say, what is it? Like a little strip of paper with a Taoist saying to freeze right. them. So basically yeah it's, there's all these like physical comedies of like the guy who has one tag for two zombies so he has to keep switching back and forth and it's a whole genre so this could be the movie that brings wacky chinese it's kind of like tom Selleck's to mr baseball
4: right um
1: you got like
0: fish out of water yes. culture shock
4: yeah. Yeah. with yeah.
0: chinese hopping vampire horror Right. And Paul Communist, Blart. And Communist, and Communist. Yes. Communist plot. That's a really, that's a good blender of,
1: um, I I'd buy that for a Paul Blart sequel. I'm into it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not the same movie again, which is the problem with so many sequels. You guys are. You How nice can the same player. thing happen to the same guy twice? That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's
4: right. And no horse kicking in this movie. Unless, unless it's so a happen. ghost horse. Anyway,
0: <laughs> a hopping ghost horse vampire. Right. Frightening. All <laughs> right. Like you got movie. you guys got some more for us?
5: Yes. Uh, let me go next. Uh, I've gonna propose a sequel, another sequel to the horror film Child's Play. Um, so, but I'm, once again, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna play with this where I'm gonna redo or kind of take, uh, I'm gonna eliminate child's play seven fixated on the sevens uh this one is
4: called the uh
5: it's called the cult of chucky okay so no uh, there's no more cult we're going um, full-blown child's play seven army of chuck so this very simply is that chucky is looking to activate a factory of all of the good guy dolls so this is where he's he's found the factory uh, that produced the dolls that, were, that he is one of, and he's looking to activate, and by using voodoo, is able to uh, bring them all to life by putting a portion of his life force in them and to help them with his nefarious plans, a.k.a. murder a bunch of people. And the adult Andy, who is the kid from the original, has to try to stop this mess. So one of the things I kind of thought about this is you could have a lot of fun. I just thought in a day and age now where we've got a little bit more uh CGI at our disposal, you can just imagine like a fleet of these dolls. Some of them may be not completely finished. uh, Some of them may be defective. Maybe you have some different models because obviously what uh, was it? Jennifer Tilly played his girlfriend, Tiffany. Uh-huh. So you could yeah. have brings to life other women, but then there could be different uh, alt versions of Chucky. Like there could be kind of, I'm thinking more in, along the lines of anyone, if you guys remember gremlins 2, where they started to show all of the different types of oh, gremlins yeah. here, you Spider get a like, gremlin, girl, gremlin, vegetable, yes. Gremlin, brain gremlin. Yeah. Exactly. So now you have... Tony, Tony Randall gremlin. R- <laughs> gremlin. I guess brain gremlin. Uh, Tony Randall gremlin's the best. Uh But this now you have, like, imagine the doll line had, like, five variants. It had the girl, it had Chucky, and then it had maybe three or four, maybe there was even an animal buddy or something. So now Chucky has an army at his disposal of Malt that are all following him and doing his bidding. So now you have Chicago, the city, uh, where the original film, uh, generally took place, he's unleashing an army of these possessed, uh, possessed dolls to just murder and mayhem.
4: Oh, that was my question that these are all, all these toys are also possessed by some evil something or other. Well, no, he would use like voodoo because voodoo plays into the earlier
5: films. He mm. would figure out some voodoo that he could use a portion of his life force to animate. All of them, like hundreds of them. So they're essentially... So it's an army. Exactly. Exactly. But
0: there's... So, so you- I've got to jump in, because there might be some people who are losing their minds listening to this. I take it you did not see the Child's Play remake. I did not, no. Because this all happens in the remake. It does? It does, except for <laughs> it being voodoo, because this one is... Yeah, it's, 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 Computer, AI, it's AI. So AI. it's an AI um allegory. But yeah, so Ch- Chucky activates all the um all the other buddy dolls in a store. Oh um, my god. And they have they have different there's a there's a blonde buddy, there's a you know a, a black buddy, there's a bear buddy that is the creepiest thing cuz it's just a reskinned Chucky doll except he's got fur and looks kind of like a bear. Wait, but- this is the this is the remake? This is came- the remake with Aubrey Plaza. I just watched it two nights ago. Oh my God. <laughs>
4: Thank wow. you for
5: letting me. Thank you for letting me finish it before you came in and told me you're like you're completely have got the same idea as you. I had no idea. I just I'd never. I assumed it was a straight remake of like the original.
0: No, like it's it's pretty fun. I was like as soon as I saw where you're we going, I was like, see, no. I thought maybe you were even like kind of punking us. We're like oh, that you I... that you had seen it and then you were like <laughs> you're gonna pitch it and they're like, yeah. guess what? And they did it for the the remake already. But yeah, oh. it, that is the um. It's, it's a very, it's a little uneven at times, but it's a fairly good remake. I enjoyed it. But yeah, the ending is oh. there's a store that is launching, like doing a midnight release for the buddy, you know, version two. Uh, and our evil Chucky has, has like broken in and all of the tech is linked. So it's all the tech from this one company. So he can control like the toy drones that are in the store, all the TVs. Oh my God. And so I he like can, him. he has like all these people trapped in the store and they're being attacked by like just drones and buddy dolls that are just like stabbing people and the bear ones are like biting them. So it's a, it's an scrolled, army of Chucky. So if I would have scrolled down further in my internet research,
5: I could have avoided all of this is what you're saying.
0: Yes, <laughs> but I don't want to have,
5: avo-
1: have avoided all this because that was pretty great. I i think, I I about- think that is yeah, well, also for this one, adult, adult Andy, I think could easily be played by Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Cause if you want army and possessed people, he's the, the guy, guy you, call. you
4: call. That's for sure. I think the most impressive thing though is DJ is how in tune you are with the Hollywood mentality. I'm
0: impressed. I, yeah, I, I'm I impressed as well. Yeah.
4: I did uh, like, and I, I mean, Chucky's
5: honor here. I've got uh, two <laughs> fingers to my heart. Uh, I had no, I had no idea about that. I, has that happened on this, sh- uh, on your show before where someone's pitched a, uh, like something and they're like, that is actually already a movie?
0: Uh, I don't think it has.
1: I don't think so. We've had two people pitch the yeah, same Yeah, uh, me
0: and a, a frequent guest often pitch the exact same thing. We oh. pitched uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Miracle on 34th Street, like crossover movie. Oh, uh, my God. We've, we've done it quite a bit where it's now a, uh, it's now a joke whenever he's on that we will pitch at least what, at least one of our pitches will be the exact same thing. Thanks yeah. to Canada. Now you have someone who just basically ripped
5: off a move, a sequel that already existed.
0: Yes. Blame Canada. But you did, you did do it in a, in, in your own way by doing the voodoo yeah. angle, which the, the magic angle is not in the remake. Um, See, that's so I, something I like that that's st- staying true to the original voodoo roots of the child's play series. So Andy. Are you ready to hit us <laughs> with your
1: alternate sequel pit? I am, although just listen to everybody. I think I just trashed the one that I was going to do, and I got a complete brand new one because you mentioned Batman Return, which I love. But I was also thinking the third film I'd read, uh, Michael Keaton, he like he just read the script and he was like, no, which, yeah, I kind of see where he's coming from there. So I want to do a double sequel. I want to have the third Tim Burton Batman film, but also finally give the 1960s batman the sequel it deserves i want to do batman to the future which is basically batman's fighting some scientist who's building a time corridor thing and he falls in and he falls back into the 60s and winds up replacing the adam west (laughs) batman michael keaton is perfect for this because he can do the tim burton brooding but he's also a great comedic act because he's got to adapt to this new situation where you know batman he's got all these devices but he keeps getting his butt kicked why because the only way to defeat evil in 1960s Batman universe is to produce these weird uh lettered uh, sound effects that magically appear when you hit things. And if you can't do that, you know, you can't do anything. You keep getting your butt kicked. So he's good. So this is the Moody Burton Batman has to get in touch with his inner campy Adam West Batman. He's got to learn how to battoos. And, you know, Robin, of course, will help out, but the real person who gets, uh, you know, because Batman, he's not uh, the the Tim Burton Batman. He's not really in touch with his inner child, with his inner joy, everything that we associate with the Adam West Batman. But the other thing we associate with the Adam West Batman, I don't know if you've seen the show. It's funny. You watch it when you're a kid, and then you go back and you watch it. And Adam West Batman, like, boned everything. He boned every Catwoman. He boned most of the female supervillain. He probably got busy more than any other iteration I, of Batman. I agree with that. Go yeah, back and I watch watched it. an
0: episode recently, and yeah. Adam West's interaction with the, every female is just
1: thirsty as hell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, you know, if there's anything that can motivate a guy to change, even as someone as dark and broody as Tim Burton Batman, it's, you know, the opportunity... To bone julie mumar Mo- i mean i'm thinking he brings out one night with one Catwoman, and he is doing the batusi all over the place and suddenly he's learning to climb up the climb up the the, the sideways buildings he's learning to you know make chats with the celebrity guest stars and he finally he finds his inner can't be 60 batman learns to produce the magically appearing sound effects and kick some butt that's my and batman then does the
4: he return back to his original timeline with
1: his newfound knowledge for another sequel you know fighting the return of joker oh that's a good question you know what i think no i think he's like no i like it here and then maybe like as a little i don't know if it's a coda or a little post-credit sequence we see that in tim burton's universe it's like they switch and the adam west batman is all dark and brooding and just like tough as hell and is just kicking ass so it's like both the adam west batman and the michael keaton batman wind up being happier in each other's universe uh so in does uh, Tim Burton Batman, Michael Keaton, does
5: he basically fight the 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 full rogue gallery or is there one specific like do we want Caesar Romero's Joker to kind of be the lead villain for this?
1: I'm thinking because 1960s Batman movie sets up that it's oh man, I forget what they call it, but it's the organization where they all I, team up together. So, you know, I think I think be true to that. You know, you know? what's interesting? There's a comic
5: book. Uh, called The Wrong Earth, which is, uh, published by this, uh, comic company called Ahoy Comics. And they've got, they basically do an analog of Batman. They call him Dragonfly Man. Yeah. And I, I think I might follow them
0: on, on Twitter, actually. Yeah.
5: Yeah. It's they, so the premise of this comic book is very similar to what you're describing where one guy is like a dark Frank Miller-esque Uh, violent uber violent uh, hyper realistic batman or superhero type then there's another one who's from the campy adam westy type version and they switch earths and and so it and so this dragonfly and dragonfly man they see how they basically adapt to being in worlds that are vastly different but they're still essentially the same character it's uh, it's a really good comic book if you haven't checked it out, but it, there's parallels to your story. I think that really, it's a neat idea for the, for the movie verse though, for sure.
0: Nice. Well, so now we've got yeah, two I mean, uh, pitches be the on Batman this episode of, uh... that have
1: already been done. <laughs> 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 Wait a minute. Dragonfly man That's is true. not the same as Batman. And I had voodoo. Remember the
0: voodoo thing in mind. That's true. That's true. There's, there's enough differences. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> enough differences to avoid a loss. <laughs> exactly that's our motto well all right those are our pitches for this special present to our listeners Our our first of our um special segments i want to thank uh pop culture retrofit for coming on and guys go ahead and pitch or go ahead and, and and tell our listeners where they can find your show and um anything
4: else you want to promote oh i thought dj would like to take a turn this time oh you go ahead man oh okay well uh you can uh find the pop culture retrofit uh anywhere on the internet where you type in pop culture Retrofit. We're all in all the uh podcasty places, your Spotify, your iTunes, and so on, so on. You can follow us on Twitter by just looking for the Pop Culture Retrofit Podcast. We update almost every month or so, maybe. We do our best. Ho ho ho! How about that? It's Santa Claus.
0: Santa, how come I've never seen you and our podcast producer, Tyler McPhail, together at the same time?
4: uh it's a christmas mystery now i've got a couple of presents for a certain podcasting odd couple santa
1: would you say we're your favorite pop culture odd couple
4: uh no not even a little bit oh okay i mean it's not even close you guys don't even crack the top 20
0: it's taken kringle
4: hey don't ask if you don't want the truth Hmm. hey you know what would cheer you guys up
0: not really Yeah, I just need to sit in this for a little bit.
4: Oh, really? How about a whole Burn After Pitching segment on Odd Couples?
1: Hooray! Hooray! Nice save, Santa. Don't patronize me.
4: Now recording.
0: Great, it's recording. This is awesome. Okay. Okay. So this is a very uh, impromptu re-recording. That's why Andy's not here for our holiday episode we had mike and molly on pitching new odd couples and the recording got lost so we've brought them back on or i have they'll have them pitch again and i'm sure it will be with the same fire and energy as the first time so mike molly who wants to go first
6: well yes there's a lot of fire because we're very upset tanner we're we're
0: extremely i, upset. I would be too i was really <laughs> upset with myself because and hey guys this is me breaking in After the fact, because during our second recording, the record bot that we used to record actually crapped out and we lost everything. But luckily, Mike and Molly were very kind to the next night do another brief recording. So again, that's why Andy's not here is because we just had to take the chance. It's a short segment. You can tell we're all a little tired of talking about odd couples, but I hope you guys enjoy it. Here we go. All right, this will be the third time we're recording this segment with Mike and Molly. So no preamble, no build up. Their pitch that they have prepared, or their pitches, we asked them to pitch new Odd Couples for our holiday episode. So, Mike and Molly, take it away.
6: Okay, well, Tanner, you've asked us back for a third time now.
3: Yes, and I've got to say, I'm pretty pitched.
6: Yeah, we're both really pitched. (laughs) I'm pitched out. And we're ready to set things on fire so with pitch you want me okay my pitch um it's changed now for the third time uh but i was just thinking today you know it's been a tough year okay and it has been a real tough year for the tuna fish industry in general these tiktokers these kids you know these talkers not interested in the fish, you know. So they got to break into new markets, Tanner, and Tuna Fish, the people at Starkist are finally breaking into it where they should have been all along. The classic odd couple pairing tuna fish and desserts. Oh. So Starkist is going to now launch a line of tuna fish desserts. So you'll have your tuna fish and mayonnaise flavored Oreos. No. No.
0: <laughs>
6: you'll have your tuna bake ice cream. All right. Yeah, and you're you're gonna have it all over the place. So it's gonna be tuna here, tuna there, tuna everywhere. Tuna in the morning, tuna in the evening, tuna at tuna at supper time. No.
0: When tuna's on the dessert plate, you can eat tuna anytime. As someone who loves that jingle and finds a way to work it in <laughs> to every panel mm-hmm. appearance he's ever on. I appreciate you doing that here on this episode. I appreciate Oh that you. was
6: already a jingle.
0: Well, pizza in the morning, pizza in the evening. Pizza at supper time. When you can have pizza on a bagel, you can have pizza anytime.
6: Oh, it's it's really weird. I'm not familiar. You're not familiar
3: I would with like that? a tuna bagel bite.
6: Yeah, a tuna bagel. Oh, they will have. Well, that's not a dessert. That's true. It is the no. way I do it. Hey.
3: Well, what if it says cinnamon raisin bagel?
6: Okay, you know what? That's a great <laughs> idea. Cinnamon raisin
0: bagel, which has always been the dessert bagel. What better than plop a little tuna on top? Yeah. You know, if you can do it with chicken salad because you can put raisins in chicken salad you can put raisins and tuna salad right
3: that's what starkiss has been saying for years but they've no one's listening said, one but now they the are raisins in your tuna. i believe tuna is known as the jello salad of the sea
6: it is that's one of the new test marketed strategies they've done
0: but that's oh. kind of a it's one of those nicknames that they gave themselves and no one really uses it but they're, they're trying to get it going <laughs>
6: Well, I mean, the jellyfish industry was really upset. They're like, <laughs> we are naturally the jello of the sea, but nobody's eating jellyfish. So
0: no, it's that weird side dish you can get at sushi restaurants. Yeah. All right, dessert, tuna salad. Thank you, Mike. I don't want to keep you guys no. long, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the ball rolling. Molly, hit us with your odd couple pitch.
3: All right, so I'm sticking with the same one I had yesterday, which is a great one. Um, but I have thought of a few different flavors. Actually, I've only thought of one different flavor. Oh, I'm
6: so excited.
3: Um so my question is Pop-Tarts, why they got to be sweet? They don't. I've
6: always wondered this.
3: <laughs> so savory Pop-Tarts. Why they got to be Kinda like that? Kind of like a hot pocket, but thinner, and you can stick it in the toaster to heat it up.
6: So you can heat it up.
3: Yeah, you you yeah. Course. Now
6: we did talk about this yesterday and the one that's deleted and tanner really threw away gold it was it was um, goddamn gold i love a room temperature burger yeah, yeah. so cheeseburger flavor, flavor
3: um my new one turkey dinner
0: oh i almost pitched mm. that last night when we recorded this the first time <laughs> i was because you you fill it with gravy and a little bit of turkey or the instead yeah. of frosting mm. it's like a dried gravy on it
6: Oh, I was thinking you could do a cranberry frosting, but Tanner, I love yeah. it. Give me a little dry gravy. Yeah. Mike, you and know.
3: your pitch gave me another idea, Yeah, which would be the fish and chips. Oh, oh fish I've and always wanted
6: card. a fish and chip that's more convenient. And it,
0: it's a tartar sauce frosting?
3: Yes, With the cod on the inside? Course. Oh,
6: that's wonderful. That's pretty good.
3: Maybe a little bit of malt. You mm. know,
6: maybe you could do like a toaster strudel and put the tartar sauce right on top. You know, yeah. like a nice squeeze thing. It is,
3: similar. it is a similar concept to the toaster strudel. But it's shelf stable, like a pop tart mm-hmm.
6: so for people like me who enjoy their food only at room temperature, yes. never I can't eat anything hot, you know do you it's need too... to go to a dentist? Is it we like a tooth put... issue? We might put a hot burger in my mouth?
0: you know you gotta it's let that thing cool down hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not con i I think your room temperature food thing is like a coping mechanism. I don't think you actually like room temperature coping food. Coping mechanism.
6: <laughs> you might be onto something. I think maybe it is a coping mechanism. Like as a child, I once ate a really hot burger and it scarred me for life, both yeah. physically and mentally.
3: He's working his way through past traumas. Oh, yeah. I
0: thought it would be something like, like you, you hardly ever spent time with your dad, but one day he said, I'm going to bring home McDonald's and you're so excited. And he brought it home, but it was like... Like he stopped for a cigarette or something, and so it was lukewarm. But you ate that burger with your dad. It was like the one meal you had with him. So it's like yeah.
6: this, Papa this treasure would always bring treasure. room temperature McDonald's. Papa, yeah,
3: Papa, may I have a room temperature?
6: I would. Big Mac. Uh, I would say there. Quarter I
3: pounder. Papa, may I have a quarter pounder? A whopper with cheese. Lukewarm. Whopper Luke-wise. with
0: cheese.
3: <laughs> I would like the lettuce to be wilted. I <laughs> want hot, hot, hot lettuce that is now cooled to room temperature.
6: Yes. And so now, um, because I only eat room temperature food, I like to tell my DoorDash driver to just drive around with the windows down, you know, air that thing out a little bit. Uh, and then
0: I always call him dad. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes they go along with it, sometimes they don't. If they go along and with it, you give them the it, 25% tip.
4: tip.
6: Well, I do AS, I do specify on the order, Tanner. I say if you want your tip, you
0: I need to be able to call you dad. <laughs>
3: <laughs> tip dependent on dad. <laughs> hey, question for you
0: guys. What's the most expensive meal you guys have ordered during this quarantine season?
3: Um, I think we did it this weekend.
6: Oh yeah, we we got some sugar
0: fish. Oh, sushi. Yeah, all right. Yeah. May I ask what oh, okay. what your Not fun enough what for your Doordash you? like
3: bill was? Sh- have you had sh- sugar fish before? I've
0: been there once.
3: If you have you had it to go? No. The, the to go boxes are amazing. Made of gold. They it have it's a beautiful, beautiful box. It looks like a like a fancy set of chocolates, and it even has a label inside that like tells you what everything is and like the best ways to mix your sauces. It's it's fantastic and
6: we should say this right now um this episode of burn after pitching is brought to you by Sugarfish. <laughs> use promo code burn and you'll get zero percent off tanner are you done with us destroying your show or no
0: uh, this is great it's an amazing segment <laughs> tell us where people can find
3: you
6: you can find me on the grind bin podcast uh tanner is always a guest he's a frequent guest on that show if you listen to this show, you should probably check that show out, because while it's not as good as Burn After Pitching, it sure is more Tanner.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, I thank you for that <laughs> ringing endorsement of my show, and for your show when I'm on it.
6: <laughs> yeah. Only, only the Tanner episodes, so seek them out. Those are the only know. episodes
0: I listen to, so they're the only episodes I can vouch for.
6: Yes, uh, Tanner also only listens to the first 30 minutes. And
0: then so. I go to sleep.
6: Mm -hmm. We always say goodnight, (laughs) Tanner, at the 30-minute mark, and we play a little song, and he goes Betty bye Sleepy,
0: sleepy. All right, Molly, tell us what you're up to, because it's pretty exciting. Uh, uh,
3: You can find me at Molly O'Rights on Twitter. Um, I have some short fiction up on com, and I worked on a Netflix Christmas movie this year that's out called Alien Xmas, so you can check that out on Netflix.
6: Nice. All right. Yeah. The short story's name is Fixer Upper. Oh yeah. Um. And what was your Twitter again?
3: Molly O writes.
6: Molly O writes. Molly O writes. Yeah.
0: All right. And then back to the studio.
6: Oh, and then I also have one more thing to pitch. Oh, what is our Or uh plug. Uh, if you go to buymichaeltanner.com, oh. B-U-Y. You know,
0: they get all that at the end of the regular part of the episode. You don't need to do
6: it here at the 40-minute mark.
3: Oh. Should we plug Sugarfish?
6: Yeah, also Sugarfish. They have <laughs> really good it. sushi. And if you live in L.A., you should definitely go there. If you don't live in L.A., why Fuck are you, you listening to the show? <laughs> yeah, you know, It's L.A. only, baby. Get out of here.
3: Our
0: show is has fans all over the world.
3: And they suck. Jesus,
0: Molly. It's Christmas.
4: Ho, ho, ho.
1: I thought he'd never leave. Seriously, read the room, Santa. But now, who's going to read our special Christmas outro? I know. We'll get Krampus to do it. Hey, hey Krampus. Krampus.
4: Who has summoned me? Please, Please read, read our, our Christmas outro. outro. Have you been naughty this year? I'll
1: never tell. Yes, he has.
4: It's all right seeing how it's Krampus knocked. This has been Burn After Pitching from the Grand Geek Gathering Network. Be sure to check out all of the other fantastic podcasts on your favorite podcaster of choice. Follow us on Twitter at Burn Pitching and tweet your pitches and suggestions. We will respond. Our music has been provided by Carlisle Rent And our hosts have been Andy Norfolk and Michael Tanner Be merry and Wright Or else Burn after